0: Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Gary. Hey, tune to us. We'll try to answer any automotive questions that you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call. It's 291-6901.
1: And you put a 225 in front of that, you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. That's right, and I sure wish you would. We love
0: hearing from folk all over the country and, of course, local people as well.
1: That's all over the world.
0: There you go. Anybody who wants to call in, we're going to try to help them out and point them in the right direction.
1: That's it. And it'd be a little uh, complicated, but it could be done You know, somewhere around the world. <laughs> there getting, you go. getting right here at this particular time. Right,
0: and right time zone and all that stuff. Right. Of course, it depends on where you're calling from. You may have to get up in the middle of the night, but hey, <laughs> hey.
1: small <laughs> I was going to pay. say, if you need a question answered... <laughs> (laughs)
0: now's the time there you go and of course this is always the very best time to call in is at the beginning of the show number one my mind's a lot clearer than it is at the end of the show (laughs) (laughs) but more to the point a lot of times we end up stacked up on calls and we have to get out right at 11 so sometimes we have people on hold who just don't get questions answered
1: yes and should you happen to be one of those people or maybe think of something after we go off the air or even during the week at midnight you can send Lewis an email and he will get it back to you within 24 hours. You just go to our website and the address is agcoauto.com. That is A G C O A U T O.com. Click on the contact button, fill out the little form, and just send it on in. Couldn't be easier. That's right. And one thing that makes it even easier is that when you do fill out
0: that little contact form, When you send it, it's going to ask you, would you like to remember this information? And if you tell it yes, it'll put a little cookie on your machine that remembers your name and your email address Uh and so on as that, the vehicle and all that. So next time you want to send an email, you don't even have to fill that out again. And if you have multiple vehicles, it will save multiple vehicles as well. That is correct. And all you have to do is click on the form and select the vehicle you want. It's going to fill all the information out for you. All you have to do is enter the mileage, update the mileage, and update your complaint. Uh Uh-huh. Push the send button, and there you go. That's it. Couldn't be easier. Not unless I go over and do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably not too likely, so <laughs> <laughs> pretty easy. And you will get an answer back real quick. Most time during the day, during the week, I'm generally sitting at the computer. So you're going to get an answer back relatively quick. no, uh-huh. no within an hour or so, you're going to probably get an answer back. And on weekends, it may take a little longer. I try to catch that two, three times during the weekend. But right.
1: After eight, about 8 o'clock at night, you, and between, between 8 and 5. You're going to be wait, having to wait waiting for the next day. That's, right.
0: <laughs> That's absolutely right. And we're going to the first line. We have Mark online. Good morning, Mark. How you doing? Good. great. i about
2: a 2011 Chevrolet Silverado with okay. a 4.8 engine in it. Mm-hmm. It has air conditioning working erratically. Okay. Same thing. It just sometimes it'll, it will stop blowing and stuff, and I'll run to your whip, and i to reset the fuses for the actuators? Mm-hmm. And it started working fine after that. And then just recently, sometimes it'll stop cooling again. I was just wondering if...
0: Okay, Mark, you're uh, confusing me a little bit because you said it stops blowing one time and then you said it stops cooling another time. Wh- which one is it?
2: Well, after it did the stop blowing, I reset the fuses of the actuator and
0: mm-hmm.
2: it was still blowing, just wasn't directing in the right places.
0: Okay, so it's uh, it's not stopping blow; it's just going it's, to the wrong spot, like it's blowing out the defrost when it should come out the vent?
2: Well, it stopped doing that after I reset by pulling the fuses, like I read on your website.
0: Okay. And I'm still—I I, got to get this clear though, because it's going to be different things depending on what it's doing. It stops blowing. There's nothing comes out of any of the vents.
2: I got that problem fixed. Okay. That's how to start it started.
0: Okay, so you think you have two different problems?
2: Well, I think I fixed one problem with it blowing—the the vent problem when I reset the actuator by pulling the fuses. Okay. So it seems to be working in that aspect. Mm-hmm. But now uh, it'll stop cooling. It'll still blow, but it stops cooling. Okay. And it's just erratic enough.
0: When does it and, stop cooling? How long do you have to drive it to get it to do that?
2: Sometimes it may be 10 minutes. Sometimes it may be 15.
0: But never right away. It's always after you drive it a ways?
2: Yes, it, it appears to be. And when I go and look out there when it's running, everything, mm-hmm. my breath is running fine and everything's nice and cold at the. An evaporator and the hose that's going into the vehicle, mm-hmm.
0: but it's not blowing cold air out your vent.
2: Not at that time. But I mean that that time it is. Whenever it's doing this cycling thing, the compressor shuts off.
0: Okay, so when it doesn't blow cold, the compressor is not running. That's
2: correct. The compressor
0: shuts off. Okay, well the first thing I would check on that is a little switch up on the accumulator. There's a switch, a low pressure switch there. They go bad a lot, and also the connector on them goes bad a lot.
2: You know, I sure looked at mine, and I could not find one at the evaporator. Well,
0: some of them have one there. Some of the newer vehicles don't have it there. It's actually down. I'm look it up in service data, but it's down in the line somewhere. It's not on the accumulator. depends on what system you got, whether it's the temperature, automatic temperature control or not. They use different systems on them. So yeah, it's not like the old cycle switch was. There is a switch, though. That would be number one. What I would do first, Mark, is when it quits cooling, go out and raise the hood, if the clutch is not engaged, then back probe that terminal and see if you have voltage at that terminal. Okay. Okay. If you got 12 volts in ground at the terminal with it not engaged, then okay. you got a bad clutch. If you do not have 12 volts at that terminal, then you've got something in your signal, and you're going to have to start tracing back. There is a switch. I'm not 100% sure where it's located. I have to look it up in service data on 2011. I'm just not that familiar okay. with it. But that switch would be the number one cause of it. Now, beyond that, the control head itself can also command the clutch off under certain conditions. Those conditions can be so varied that without a tech 2 scan tool, you're not ever going to be able to find out. For instance, if the engine idle is below a certain speed, let's say the computer is commanding 650 RPM, and let's say you got a dirty throttle body and your idle is going down to 600 RPM, it may shut the air conditioner off.
2: Yeah, well, it, it does it whenever it's going, when I'm driving it also.
0: Yes, but if it sees that RPM, the AC is disabled. Now, another thing is, let's say it thinks the engine is overheating or it thinks the engine is under temperature because the sensor on the head is not reading to the computer. It's going to shut the air conditioning off. Okay. Now, so That's the any, first
1: line of defense there is to turn the air conditioning right, off. That's almost, the easiest thing for them to do.
0: Almost everything that malfunctions on that system, the first thing it does is shuts the air conditioning off.
1: That's not an essential accessory, right?
0: So you're going to have, even if system voltage gets too high or too low in the system, it may disable the air conditioning. So you would have to have number one a voltmeter, number two go out when it's not cooling and see if you got voltage to the clutch. Because if you do have voltage to the clutch, then you're into a bad clutch. It could be that the gap on the clutch is too wide, it's getting hot after it runs a little while, and it's overheating, it's kicking out. If you do not, then you're going to have to have a Tech 2 scan tool to go in and see what's being commanded. Because there's so many inputs to that that you could check stuff for the rest of your life and never find it.
2: Right. All right, well, I appreciate that. All right, sir. Help me out a lot. Okay, thank
0: you. Bye-bye. 291-6901 291 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive I we'd love to have you. Go ahead and give us a call.
1: You know, that's just become the world we live in nowadays. you got to have the proper tooling to access the information you need to fix the car properly.
0: Not only tooling, but you have to understand how the systems work now because most people would not ever relate, say, a bad thermostat to an air conditioner not working. huh. But if the temperature thermostat is stuck open... And the engine's not getting to full temperature. What happens? The computer just sees the temperature's wrong. Sure. So it doesn't really look at whether it's too hot or too cold. It just shuts the air conditioning off because the temperature's wrong. Mm-hmm. So if it's setting a P0128 code, it's going to disable the air conditioning. Another thing would be. Like we said, if the engine idle gets too low, correct, it may shut the air condition down. And even though you are driving and not at idle, it may continue to keep it down until you cycle ignition. Then it'll re-enable it. Uh-huh. So let's say you let off the gas going down the interstate. Well, engine idle drops too low. It shuts the AC down, you repower up. Well, now all you notice is air conditioning is not blowing cold, but you don't realize, well, I let off the gas at some point in time. And there's probably a half a dozen other things that can disable sure. it under certain conditions. So it's just a real, real complex system. And when you have a AC problem, what you have to know to diagnose it is when it occurs, because there's a number of things. But some are going to take a while to occur. Some are going to happen right away. For instance, if it quits cooling when you crank the car up. In other words, when I first start the car, it's not cooling. Right. Well, now we're looking at voltage s- situations and such as that because if system voltage is dropping on crank up, it can disable it. If it quits working after you drive 10 minutes, well, now we're looking at a whole different series of things. Now, let's say it quits cooling after we drive an hour or an hour and a half. Well, now we're looking at a whole different set of things. We're probably looking at a freeze-up situation or possibly an AC clutch overheating situation. And Ford was real bad about that. Their clutches have like little shims behind them. Right. As a clutch wears, you can actually remove a shim to tighten that gap up so that it engages better because a magnet pulling a drive plate against a clutch hub. And when that wears, it can't pull it in quite as tight. So you can go in remove a shim and that will correct the problem but if you don't do that what happens it can't pull it in enough so it slips it gets hot and the clutch knocks out and it quits working sure and that's generally after you drive it an hour or so it'll just quit working and i've seen people spend an inordinate amount of money trying to fix that problem and not fix it and basically what you need to do is remove a shim from the clutch Uh uh-huh and you can actually go in with a feeler blade and you can check that there's a specification on it but that was a problem, particularly on some of the older Fords. As that drive plate would wear, you'd have to go in and remove those shims to allow it to bridge for.
1: the gap. Mm-hmm.
0: Toyota had a similar problem where the light, the air conditioning light, would start flashing after right. a while. And it's because the clutch was slipping. And it has a sensor in that system that notices the clutch slipping. And when it sees the clutch and the crankshaft turning at different speeds
1: it knows, relative to what it wants. It knows that some, one of them is slipping.
0: That's right. And then it starts flashing the air conditioning light, and it will shut the system down at the same time. Sure, protect it. So that's another situation. Again, sometimes you can go in and remove a shim on that and fix that problem. Another thing is a belt, a drive belt that's worn, can allow the belt to slip just slightly. Again, if those two pulleys are not turning at the right speed relative to each other, it's gonna flash that air conditioning light and it's gonna shut the system down.
1: Right. And belts being what they are nowadays, you're not gonna really be able to look at a belt and tell that it's it's worn out. A lot out of now. times
0: you can look at it, it may look great. I remember That's right. we went to a trade show uh-huh. and the guy was there from I think it was Gates and he was he had two belts laying, in. he says, which of these belts are bad? And you look at them, and one of them's all cracked up. You say, well, obviously this one. No, no, they're both bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> the other one looked fine, but the gaps were way wide. If you put a gauge on it, you could see it. They actually just- have a
1: gauge out now that you can drop into the V part of the belt. Mm-hmm. And if the ribs of the belt are taller than the gauge, then the belt's considered worn out because the ribs have worn down in the belt. That's right. And just a little bit of slippage,
0: uh, at least on a Toyota, is going to shut the system down. Now, a lot of vehicles don't have that capability, and what they do instead is that when they start to slip, they generate a lot of heat and it ends up burning up the compressor clutch. Correct. Just because of the heat generated. One and of the things that brings that on a lot, and probably one of the most underdiagnosed problems, is a belt tensioner.
1: Correct. Because now, instead of having an adjustment you have to make manually, you have an automatic tensioner, which is a spring-loaded arm with a pulley, pulley on the end of it that keeps the correct tension on the belt. And as the spring wears, it loosens up, and it doesn't keep the belt as tight anymore. Right.
0: The spring wears, also the pivot point wears, and it doesn't hold that pulley flat against the belt. So now the belt's cocked. It starts squeaking in some cases. Sometimes it doesn't make any noise at all. It just starts slipping. Right. And those will generally last about 100,000 miles. Again, at the same trade show we were talking about earlier, I was talking to the engineers engineers. We make these belt tensions for everybody. They're engineered to last 100,000 miles. That's what we build them to do. That is a
1: most overlooked item. It is. We change
0: bunches and bunches of those and fix a lot a lot of problems but you said in 100,000 miles that tensioner has actually cycled 1 billion times correct a billion with a b so there's not too many components that can move a billion times and not be worn. exactly so very 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 often we fix problems with air conditioning alternators charging systems, everything else by just changing the belt tensioner sure that's a very very overlooked part we're going to take a quick little break and we'll be right back with more on the automotive hour
3: and, to west. and that's why Justin Bieber should never, I repeat, never be cloned. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse show with me, Alphonse the know-it-all Cajun. Hey! Call her what you want to know.
4: Alphonse, my six-year-old car needs about $2,500 worth of work, a new AC, and tires. You think I should do it or invest in a new car?
3: So how much you paid for it six years ago? $40,000. Well, now it's valued at about $10,000, so it cost you 30000 to drive it the last six years. That's $5,000 a year. Well, let's say you keep the car and spend about 2500 on repairs every couple of years, which is about 1200 a year. Way less than a new car, huh?
4: Whoa! Sounds like I need to keep my old car.
3: Then bring it to AGCO Automotive for regular maintenance, and it will last you even longer.
4: Now that sounds like a good investment. Hey, Al, you got any
3: stock market tips? Oh, for that, you got to tune to my other show, Al's Financial Hour. Booyah! Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back. If you join us, the Automotive Buyer. I'm your host, Lewis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call. It's 291-6901, and we've got all our lines wide open, just sitting here waiting to hear from you. That's it. Right now is a good time to call. That's right. Go ahead and give us a call. will put you straight up at the top list, get you an answer to whatever question you might have. All right. Get you started. Get you stopped. Anything in between. <laughs> there you go. We were talking a little bit earlier, and one of the things that We're talking about overlooked items on a car, Uh and there are certain fluids that are overlooked a lot on a car, and I think pretty much everybody is familiar with coolant, the antifreeze, and they get that changed pretty regular, and most people are pretty familiar with their transmission as well, and they realize they have to service that fluid. But there are also some other fluids on a car that are more or less overlooked fluids.
1: Most overlooked one that I can think of right offhand is power steering fluid.
0: Power steering fluid is one of the biggies, and another is the rear differential fluid. Right. People just don't seem to ever think about that, and that fluid does go bad like any other. The additives tend to dissipate over time or be used up in the process of protecting the gears. And a rear differential, when that all goes bad... It starts to allow the gears and the bearings to wear. You're talking probably two grand to rebuild a rear differential.
1: Right. And it usually doesn't give you any warning until it's slapped worn out completely. Yeah. I mean it first, very little warning.
0: First warning is generally either a whining noise on acceleration or all pouring out of the pinion seal. Sure. And both of those are pretty much a catastrophic failure. Most vehicle manufacturers under normal service recommend a hundred thousand miles on differential service. Uh-huh. Now, under towing conditions, I know Chrysler under towing conditions recommends every fifteen thousand miles. Right, and some it's thirty thousand, so it varies. Even on all-wheel drive vehicles that have rear differentials, like some of the Honda all-wheel drive, the Acuras, there's a service procedure on that. I think that's every thirty thousand miles.
1: Right, that little Honda. I know in the CRV, it will actually give you a chatter when mm-hmm. the fluid goes bad. The rear end will start to chatter when you go around a corner. The clutches because will clutch because the clutches will start grabbing. And you can actually go in and service it at that point. And a lot of times, you can get that chatter to go away. Right, with, it'll fix with the, the new fluid
0: very easily, as opposed to allowing it to keep going and tearing up the rear differential. Right. We're we'll gonna talk a little bit more about some of the forgotten fluids in a minute, but we're gonna go back to phone lines with Al. Good morning, Al.
5: Good morning. How you all doing? Great. Doing great. Sir. Great. Look, I've got a, an '01 one GMC Sierra. I'm having trouble with my remote door lock. Okay. I replaced the battery in the thing, and it didn't help a lot. It's just erratic. Sometimes it works, sometimes it won't. And What uh, does it
0: do when it doesn't work, Al? What happens?
5: Sometimes it's hard for me to get it to lock. you got to stand there and walk around the vehicle and point it everywhere and, and to get it to lock sometimes it won't unlock, but when it doesn't unlock and you use the key, I'm ready for the horn to blow, but the horn doesn't
0: blow. It just okay. Well, let goes. me ask you this. Have you ever checked all of the doors? Is it all the doors that are affected or is it only one, like driver's door?
5: The driver's door is the only door I ever checked. That's what <laughs> most people do.
0: Exactly. And see, most of the time that is not going to be a problem with the remote at all. That's going to be a problem in the driver's door. There's a part in there called an actuator. And uh-huh. what the actuator does, that's the little stepper motor that actually locks and unlocks that door lock when you push the button. Uh-huh. And the actuators go bad all the time. And right. what was, you kind of gave it away because you said you hit the remote and you opened it and the alarm didn't go off. Right. See, that means the remote is disabling the alarm. It's just not unlocking that door. Uh-huh. So what I need you to do is go out there, hit your button, and when it apparently doesn't work, go try one of the other doors and see if it's locked or unlocked.
2: Uh-huh.
6: And
0: if the other doors are working and that one isn't, then the problem's in that one door, and it's most likely going to be the door lock actuator. That's very common on those vehicles. Was
5: that right?
6: Yeah. yeah.
0: not too big a deal. You have to pull the door panel off, and the actuator is part of the door latch on a lot of them, so you have to replace the door latch in the actuator. uh uh-huh. But that's Whipped. what it sounds like because if the if the actual remote wasn't working, like you said, when you opened the door, the alarm would have went off because it would have still been armed. Right
5: well is anything like this other than is it anything here that would ever shut my disable my vehicle
0: no sir no it's just gonna not unlock the door that's affected and very often what we find is if it's been going on for a while it may be more than one door you know Uh you may have one door that went out and then later on another door went out and of course you're only trying the one door so you don't know about the other door unless you try it Okay. But, again, right. you don't have to necessarily fix. Let's say it's a four-door truck and the right rear door is out. Well, you may not be worried about that. Never use it that much. Oh, you want the driver's door to work, so you can fix just the driver's door. Yeah. You don't have to fix them all. So, But try that little okay. trick. and Hit the unlock, and if the door right. doesn't unlock, go see if the other doors are unlocked. Okay. i bet you they probably will be.
5: Good deal. All right. Okay. Thanks, uh-huh. Al.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Two nine one sixty nine oh one is a number. If you want to be part of the Automotive I we would absolutely love to have you. And we've got David on the line. Good morning, David.
6: Good morning, guys. Uh, got an 01 Yukon that was given to my son and mm-hmm. we're doing a little work on it. And not exactly like the guy that just called, but the key fob did not have a battery in it. We put a battery in it and went through the learning process, if you would, with the YouTube all mm-hmm. the learning process okay. of putting the key on, pressing the right. unlock, holding it down turn the key twice and then we saw that that key fob really was messed up okay so i took my key fob from my suburban i said well we'll just program the car to accept my yeah, It may not work
0: this. though it, unless it's the exact same part number on it, it may not work there's, there's basically dozens of different fobs and they're all oh, you different think just frequencies need to go get
6: a new fob
0: yes probably so mm-hmm. uh what you can do are you sure that fob's not working
6: Yes, because what the, where the battery goes, you know, you got that piece of metal. Yeah, it broke, that goes loose. yeah it broke halfway around. bit. Yeah. yeah, that right. happens
0: all the time. Now, sometimes yeah. you can actually resolder those things, David. And
6: I'll, I'm going to give it a try.
0: Yeah, you try it and see. We've resoldered some of those and they work okay. Yeah. Uh, if not, the the fob, you know, the way we test them, you have got like a little AM radio of some sort. Put the fob real near it and hit the fob, and you can generally hear the interference. You can hear the static in the background. Right. If it's working, if you don't have anything, it's probably not working. But, yeah, you can get a new fob and then just go through the program procedure, and it should, okay. it should come along. Do I up. have
6: to go to the dealer to get that new
2: fob?
0: You don't have to. They do have some aftermarket ones you can get. I've had questionable results with them. We had a guy the other day bring three of them in for his vehicle. We programmed all three of them, and one of uh-huh. them worked about an hour, and the other one worked about a week.
6: And they all aftermarket.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the third one did work, though. So, he,
6: yeah. But that was just well, so, yeah. the ones this, he had. But my question was you, because the fob is putting out a signal, I've got to be have a receiver on the vehicle. There is. Where is that receiver? It's up under Maybe the that's dash. Bad.
0: Well, hardly, those hardly ever go bad, David. Okay. And you'd okay. have to have sure. some sophisticated equipment to test that. But gotcha. we rarely change those, but we do change the transmitters quite a bit.
6: Yeah. So definitely go get the fob. Yes, can I sir. ask you
0: one other question? I'll tell you if you can hold on through the break. Okay, I sure will. Thank okay, you. we're going to take a quick little break. David, Gene, hang on. You guys be straight up after the break.
3: And that's why you never put a dead or live octopus in the microwave. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse show with me. Alphonse, the know-it-all Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my old truck needs some repairs. Or should I buy a new one to save money? Well, let me get out my calculator here. Let's say a new truck costs about $35,000 3500 or so in taxes, then hire insurance. And you know, in about three years, the value is going to drop to about 15000 That's $8,000 a year just to drive it. Wow, I've never thought of it like that. I suggest taking it to Agco Automotive for a general inspection to see if your old truck is worth keeping, which I think it is. And if so, keep bringing it to Agco for regular maintenance, and you'll be able to drive it for a whole lot longer.
1: And I can spend money on other things, like my beautiful wife.
3: I'm assuming she's right there in the room with you, huh? Alphonse, you do know it all, don't you? Booyah! Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. com. Agco. It's the place to go.
7: Hey,
0: welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Albazan with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, to True Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Push the wrong button there. We were talking to David just before the break. Good morning, David.
6: Hey, thank you. Yeah, uh, again, back on the Yukon 01, mm-hmm. the best way to describe the issue is you sit in the driver's side, and you got the controls for all the windows mm-hmm. right there. You know, it's got the lockout button, if you will, so right. that the children can't roll right. down the windows. Mm-hmm. From the driver's side, you can control all windows. Okay. okay. None of the individuals can control their own windows. You press the lockout button, up, down, up, down, it doesn't do anything. So as if it's always locked out. Right. And I've taken that off and you see the little module. So Does that typically go out and just replace that whole
7: module? You have
0: to replace that entire switch because it's not just an analog switch. It is, like you said, a little module. And it may be that the lockout function has actually malfunctioned and it thinks it's locked out all the time. Right. You know, you can work them all from the master switch, but you can't work the individuals. Yes. Yeah, that could be. Now, there's also, I believe, I'd have to look at service data on a wiring diagram, but it may be a separate fuse that operates the individual controls than operates the main control. So check well, like, all your fuses. Make sure you don't have a bad okay. fuse. Right. Because I think the other three windows run through one fuse, and then one fuse runs all of them through the master switch. It's two different power fees, I believe. Two
6: different. Two, and I think it's actually
0: two relays also. So check your relays and check your fuses before. You, yeah, before you change yeah. that switch. Right. All okay. right.
6: I'll do it. Thank you, guys. Okay, man. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay. Have a good day.
0: Bye bye. Two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number, and we've got Gene's been patiently holding. Good morning, Gene.
7: Hey. Good morning, Willis. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, about uh, six months ago, I purchased an 06 Lincoln Town Car from okay. the dealership. Mm-hmm. It was a trade-in okay. with 27,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. About two or two, three weeks later, I had a hose problem, so I went in there and they fixed it. They told me it needed new control arms. <laughs> oh, okay. I said, you guys should have fixed this before they you gave it to me, mm-hmm. so they fixed it. Okay. Well, my problem now is about two months ago, I've developed a, a rattle. Sound like it's coming from under the car. Okay. I'm not, my ears are not great. But I took it back to the dealership, and the uh, service manager rode around the block. He heard it, too, and he got out, and he checked the hood, and he checked the, tire, the, the spare tire, mm-hmm. and he couldn't figure anything out. So what's the next step on trying to take care of this rattle.
1: A lot of times that is going to be a sway bar end link in the front of the vehicle. What happens is it's just a ball and socket, kind of like a ball joint on your suspension, and they wear. They, don't, they have a pre-packed with grease, and when the grease wears out or the boot gets a hole in it and the grease gets contaminated, the little ball starts rattling in the socket. The easiest thing to do would be to disable the sway bar, unhook temporarily, the... Temporarily, yeah. Temporarily, unhook the end link, tie the sway bar up out of the way where it can't get in, interfere with anything, and drive the car again. If the noise is gone, 90% of the time it's the end links. Now, sometimes the frame bushing, where the sway bar locks to the frame, there's a rubber bushing there, that rubber bushing will get hard, and it'll shrink, and that bar will beat around inside of there and make a noise. So if you disable it and the noise goes away, you've got one or two chances there to... To straighten it out. And sometimes you can actually grab the bar by
0: hand and, and move, move it, it up and down that bushing. And if it kind of kunk, 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 in that bushing, then you know the bushing's bad. So that's by far the most common noise right. on them. Now, clearly there are other things that can make a noise. And I would retrace the steps. If they change that control arm, make sure they tighten all the bolts back. Because any bolt that they didn't tighten quite adequately or any bolt that they didn't replace. Because Ford bolts on their suspension are torque to yield. And when you replace the arm, you're supposed to replace all the bolts, and they don't always do that. And those can come loose, and it'll start to rattle like that as well. Mm. <laughs> Especially since they were just in there six months ago. So I would kind of recheck all the bolts and stuff, make sure that they're all tight. Any bolt that's loose or any bolt that has worked its way loose will also give you that same rattling noise. Okay. Well, I
7: think I'll bring it in and let you guys take a look yeah, at, at it. Yeah, we'll take a look. It for wouldn't you.
0: take very long, long to find that. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks for meeting. Okay, then, all right, thanks, thanks, man. Bye-bye. Two nine one sixty nine oh one is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive eye, we would absolutely love to have you. Why don't you and give us a call? We'd be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction.
1: There you go. And we can get back to our topic of the day.
0: Well, that's right. We were talking about some of the forgotten fluids on a car, and we were talking about rear differential fluid. And Generally, when you realize that that's a problem, it's almost too late because, like you said, the first symptom is either going to be a whining rear end or, or a leaking, leaking rear end. Right. And it's just too little, too late at that point. But it's not hard to change differential fluids. Some differentials actually have a drain plug, which is real convenient. You just drain it all out, put the plug back in, fill it back
1: up. Some Could've... of your GM models, depending on the year that the rear end was installed in the vehicle, mm-hmm. have a drain plug. Some of them have a provision there but never had the drain plug put in. Right.
0: They just got the boss but not the right. plug.
1: Right. So it just depends on what year it was. A lot of them you have to take the rear cover off of. That's right. Which take... is 10 to 12 bolts. You take the rear cover off drain the fluid out, clean the, both the surfaces real good. And then we have actually found a RTV that we like to use mm-hmm. to make that seal back. But they do offer a gasket, yeah. a paper gasket.
0: Yeah, they do make actually a gasket for it. That works pretty well. Or you can use RTV and just glue the cover on I think they're glued on from the factory.
1: Some are, some are. Some have a gasket. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, it just depends on how a, they assembled that particular one. Either method works pretty well if it's done properly. So that's not a real difficult job to do, and no. something that really may save you a bunch of bunch of money down the road. So right. Let's go back to our phone lines, Kevin. Good morning, Kevin.
2: Morning, Lewis. Sir, I have a question for you uh, that I know you you've answered before in the past, and I just can't really remember.
5: Sure. Uh, your
2: procedure, but whenever I first start up my air conditioner, I get a, a sweet odor, like okay. a, not really a mildew odor, but a sweet
0: almost kind like of an, like odor. a coolant type odor.
2: Well, I believe
0: it's. You know, you know what antifreeze smells like—kind of a sweet smell.
2: Yeah, it's it's not an antifreeze. I think it's more of a possibly something mildew.
0: Okay, okay. What, what kind like of vehicle, Kevin? A two
2: thousand and eleven Chevy Silverado.
0: Okay, now there is actually a flash update mm-hmm. to the computer for that problem on that vehicle. Are you still under warranty? No. Okay. Under warranty, they would do that for you for free. It's not real expensive anyway, but what the flash update actually does is it will keep the blower motor running at a low speed for a while after you turn the air conditioner off, which dries out that plenum chamber, which prevents the mold and mildew, or at least so they say. You can go in and manually clean it, but that may not be necessary. I would first check and see if you have the latest calibration on your software. If they don't, we can do that for you. We can reprogram it. It's about an hour job to do so at our shop around $90. That is by far the easiest, fastest, most sure way of taking care of the problem. Now, what you could try doing, Kevin, is just do the same thing yourself to verify the problem. In other words, when you get ready to turn the vehicle off, just reach over and turn the air conditioning off first and leave the blower motor on. Maybe even cycle it to heat for just a few seconds. Let it run to kind of dry out that case and then turn it off. Just do that five or six times and see if the odor gets much better or goes away.
2: Okay, any need to spray Lysol or anything?
0: You can do that, but it may not be necessary if you can once get the moisture out. What happens with the Lysol or the disinfectants is what you can do is put your, open both the doors or all the doors on the vehicle, put the blower motor on high, and then go to the base of the windshield. That's where the inlet is. Put it on fresh air. And then spray some disinfectant in that area, and it'll draw in, and it'll sit in the system. Spray a good bit in, and then at the same time, while you're continuing to do that, have someone just turn the truck off. That way it stays in the system. And you may have to do that a couple of times to get the smell out. That will actually go in and disinfect it. There's also some stronger professional-grade stuff that you have to remove the blower motor and go in and use, but that's kind of toxic. You want to be a little careful with that stuff. But try that and like I said, make sure you got the latest and greatest calibration on your software because that works pretty well. It just keeps that blower motor running for a number of seconds and it kinda of dries the case out, which kinda of heads off the whole the wet, damp, dark areas what's causing the problem. Okay. Alrighty? I appreciate it. Okay, Kevin, thanks, man. Bye bye. Two nine one sixty nine oh one is the number. If you want to be
1: part of the Automotive Eye, we would absolutely love to have you. That's right. And we still got a little time to get your questions answered for you. Oh, sure. Plenty of time. <laughs> I got plenty, plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, we were talking
0: about fluids that kind of get forgot about, uh-huh. covered differential fluid. We briefly spoke about power steering fluid, which is one of the easy ones because you can actually change that yourself very easy.
1: You sure can. It's real easy to do. You can go to the store, and buy a turkey baster. Mm-hmm. Don't use your wife's turkey baster she bases <laughs> turkey with. Buy your new one. Go out there. Take the cap off. Draw as much fluid out as you can get out. Mm-hmm. And then use the correct power steering fluid to go back in Right. It. Some vehicles take power steering fluid. Some vehicles take transmission, transmission fluid. fluid. Take a
0: special power steering fluid.
1: Correct. So make sure you have the correct fluid on hand. Mm-hmm. Pour as much back as you can. Crank it up. Maybe drive it around the block or yeah, something. Drive Just work the minutes. steering wheel back and forth. And repeat the process one or two times, and right. you should get the majority of it out of there. Right.
0: After doing that two or three times, you're going to have a vast majority of it out. If you do it fairly frequently, that'll be more than adequate. You don't have to worry about getting every tiny bit out of it out of there. Correct. Let's go back to our phone with John, good morning, John.
4: Good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. Uh, you and Brian are having a good day. Doing great, um, definitely. Frequent customer, you shop. Always, always tell people that y'all do very good work. Thank you, sir. Thank you. When I mention this vehicle, you'll know it. <laughs> 2001 Dodge Ram. Okay. I'm having the trouble with the windshield wipers. Okay. Uh, when it's raining not so hard and I have them like intermediate or it even does it when they're like on low speed or high speed. Mm-hmm. After they've gone a few times, the wipers start kind of like shuddering off the glass.
6: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: And I've changed the blades several times, and I put good blades on it. Mm -hmm. I'm not putting cheap stuff on it. Yes, sir. But this problem kind of always comes back.
0: Are you changing the entire arm when you change the blade? I mean, the Uh, the blade with the the backing and everything, not just the rubber part?
4: Yes, just not the rubber part, the
0: uh, the whole thing. John, if it keeps on doing it and you've changed the blades a few times, you may have a bent arm. Those arms can bend, and they'll put that blade at a oblique angle which will cause the blade to wear irregularly which will make them start chattering like that and you've almost got to see a vehicle that's not damaged to spot it because just looking at it is very hard to see but okay many times we actually just take like a little crescent wrench or something and grab that flat part of the arm and just twist it a little bit to where that blade is sitting perfectly perpendicular to the glass All and right. we fix a number of them like that
4: now, you, you're talking about like where, it attach, where the blade attaches to the arm? Correct. The, of... Where the
0: arm goes down to the transmission, the, uh-huh. the, that flat arm that comes up. You can get a little twist in that, and when it does, it throws that blade at an angle so that when it wipes, it's not it's not staying perfectly perpendicular.
1: Right. It makes it chatter going across the right. glass. Right. It
0: may be perpendicular in one part of the glass, but not in another. And when it gets off at an angle, it starts to chatter.
1: Now, does it do it in both directions when it comes up, it chatters, and then when it goes back down, it chatters? Or does it just chatter coming up?
4: It's worse, actually, when it's going down.
1: Yeah. Okay. And I would say it's probably
0: a bent arm on it. Something's got it cocked a little bit. Go take a close, close look at it. If you can find another truck like yours, look at it and see if you can see the difference. And like I said, we straighten those out a lot. I mean, you can change the arm, obviously, but we often just take like a little crescent wrench, catch it on the flat part, and just tweak it a little bit and get it to where the blade's sitting a little straighter. What you might do is tweak it just a hair in one direction and throw some water on the windshield. Try it and see if it's way better or if it looks like it's worse. If it is, go back the opposite way. But with okay. a little trial and error, you could probably hit it.
4: Okay, I'll give it a try. All righty. Thank you. Hey, All thanks, right, for calling, sir. man. Bye
0: bye. Bye bye. Two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number, and we've got Herb online. Good morning, Herb.
7: Good morning. I got an irrelevant question, but back okay. when you was in high school, at Chivalay had a gr on the shift lever on the automatic transmission like a 60 impala what did that mean and how did it work and i'll hang up and listen i just always wondered.
0: gr i don't I'm remember i told that. it
7: was grave retard but man
0: i had a bunch of old no, chamblades but almost a... everything i had, had four speeds in it <laughs> i don't recall that i'd have to look man you got got me on that one herb i don't remember a gr
7: they said it, a friend of mine had one he said if you try to drive in it it would make a terrible racket really? we didn't have any heels so we didn't know how to yeah,
0: that was probably an old Powerglide. I mean, yep. it was only a two-speed,
7: two-speed. transmission.
0: Yeah. I had a 57 Chevrolet with a Powerglide in it. It didn't have it, so it must it, have been later than that.
7: This was a 60 Impala.
0: Yeah, I would have to look that one up. I'm not sure. You kind of got me on that. And of course, I, back in that time, every car I had had a four-speed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, a guy with an automatic was considered shiftless.
7: <laughs> right, right. In, in fact,
1: that four-speed changed cars when he changed vehicles.
0: That's right. I just take it
7: out and the it car. <laughs> oh. We had to put great big tires on the rear, even though it slipped the transmission trying to take off. That's right. Okay, <laughs> I, okay I just Herb. always wonder. All right,
0: man, thanks. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number. If you want part of the Automotive Hour, we've got Jim online. Good morning, Jim. Morning. Good morning.
5: I wanted to ask about a Acura MDX, mm-hmm. and okay. it's starting on its third year now. Okay. And what do I do about the cooler? And I heard you all talking about that. I know that around the third year, you check the belts and the battery and things because that's yes, sir. likely when they're going to start going bad.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: How long do you go before you take a serious look at the cooler?
0: Jim, I would be checking it at three years, check the pH on it and see if it's above seven. If it's up around seven and a half, somewhere in there, you're probably still okay. If it's getting close to seven, I don't really mind-changing it at three. I know Macker says it'll go four years, sometimes they say five, but it's so inexpensive to replace, and it does so much damage if it gets me corrosive too, yes. okay. that is to me three years i changed mine at three years just to be safe yeah, and okay. the little bit that it costs i've way more than made up i mean one radiator is
1: six seven hundred dollars well and, and, and the problem is it's not just one radiator yeah it's, it's always a radiator then it's a heater cord then yeah. it's something else and we've actually seen cooling systems total vehicles
0: out that's right once the corrosion starts it's the devil to stop and because you can't ever get 100% of the cooling out if you change it before it's depleted and you get 75, 80 percent of it out. Well, you you got no problem at all. If you wait till it's hundred percent depleted, and you going only get 80 percent out. Yeah, I'm in. Mean,
5: yeah, I'm in mean, no hurry to wait. I'll be mm-hmm. glad to get it changed
0: out. Yeah, I'd probably change that out at three years. That, okay, be, well, I think that's it makes right. good sense. Big help. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right, Jim. Thanks, man. Bye bye. Bye bye. Two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. And we've got Bob online. Good morning, Bob. Good
2: morning, Lewis.
5: Yes,
0: sir.
2: Do You guys work on power rearview mirrors in a
0: truck. Yes, sir. that's no problem.
5: I got one that I had it parked at the New Orleans airport for mm-hmm. about a week, and I came back, got in, and shut the door, and the glass fell out. Ah, okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. sometimes you can get just the glass for them. Sometimes you have to get the whole little gizmo in there. But, yeah, yeah we if, can fix that. It's no problem.
5: Well, you know, this should have been hit. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of Kenny Wapus and Right. Uh, I got the glass back in, and okay. you can move the glass. You know, you can yeah. coordinate it. The power fold don't work. Yeah, mm-hmm. no problem. Okay. All righty. I'll, uh, I'll get it scheduled and get it into you. Sounds All right. great.
0: Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right. One last quick little break. We'll be
3: right back with more. Bobby, hold on. You'll be straight up after the break. And that's why cayenne pepper should never be stored in the bathroom. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse show with me, Alphonse the know-it-all Cajun. Hey. Call her what you want to know.
4: Alphonse. My car needs a new transmission, but I think there might be some other problems looming in the near future. I might as well get a new car, right?
3: Well, here's what I'll recommend. Take it to the pros at Agco Automotive for a general inspection. They know their stuff and they're mighty honest. They'll be able to see if there's any problems likely in the future and tell you your best option. And if you keep your car, bring it into Agco for regular maintenance and you'll be driving it for a long time.
4: Thank you, Alphonse. You do know it all. Say, are you as good-looking as you are smart?
3: Well, let's just say, I uh, know you wouldn't be disappointed. Booyah! Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive hour, I'm
0: your host, Lewis Alvarez, and with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. We're going back to the phone lines. Bobby, good morning, Bobby.
2: Good morning. Uh, great show as usual,
1: Lewis. Thanks, you, it. sir.
2: You guys doing a public service here, for, especially for us old guys.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And
2: anybody over 70 is old. You could be <laughs> over 50 but that change. So. Lewis, I just want to make sure when your transmission, I um, your polystyrene is working great, uh, mm-hmm. change it routinely in how many years?
0: I, you, I like to do mine probably every couple of years or so, Bobby, because I do it myself. It's real cheap, and it's kind of like I was talking to the guy about coolant. If you don't wait until it's depleted, you can never get 100% out. So if you don't wait until it's 100% depleted when you change it, then the little bit you get out of the majority of it that you do get out, you're in real, real good shape. So if you can do it yourself, I do it every couple of years. I mean, not really a wrong answer, I guess. If you hadn't done it in five years and you do it, hey, you're still going to be way better off not right. ever doing it at all. Right. And what about routine coolant changes? On uh, the, I need the water in the engine. Yeah, on the initial change, most people say 3 to 5 years to five, depending on okay. what kind of coolant it is and 3 years thereafter. The subsequent okay. changes have to be at 3 years because you never change 100% of it so it's not quite as effective as the original factory fill.
2: Yeah, I thought I was going to do a transmission I mean get a power steering pump a while back. It was groaning, moaning, all that kind of stuff in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Not at the summertime. It must feel better. That make much noise. Oh yeah, well, yeah. It thin, the
0: fluid thins out a little bit. That's uh, that's a sign of the fluid being depleted because the viscosity gets way thicker when it's cold. I change that fluid and see if it doesn't go away. That's what
2: I'll do. All righty. You guys have a great weekend.
0: Thanks for the music too. Yeah, right. man. Thanks, Bobby. Bye bye. Two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number, and we're going back to line with Sharon. Good morning, Sharon.
6: Good morning. Yes, ma'am. My question is, I have a. Nissan Altima 2009, Mm -hmm. and it looks like they've been putting 5W30 in it. Is
0: that correct? That sounds right. I would have to check the owner's manual or check service data. Most of your Nissans still take 530, don't they, Brian?
1: I do believe. it, It should say on the oil cap, when you open the hood and look at the top of the valve cover where the cap is, uh-huh. A lot of times it'll say what viscosity goes in that engine.
0: Yeah, some of the real new stuff takes Is, zero right. W20 and all, but I think on 2009 or 520, yeah, that probably would be 530 on that.
6: Okay, and one more question. Mm-hmm. When I take off, there, it seems to kind of like drag or not really miss, but just kind of
0: Like a stumble? Tugs.
6: Yeah, when I take
0: off. I tell you, the most common thing, Sharon, when kind of like a stumble, like you give it gas and kind of bogs down and then uh-huh. goes, Uh most common thing on that is a dirty airflow meter and that can often just be cleaned you don't have to replace it but anybody who does auto service should be able to clean that airflow meter they can put a scan tool on and they can read the flow on that meter Uh if it's reading improperly or the fuel trim is wrong then you know that's a problem. And we generally would start out by just cleaning that meter, and that takes that bog out a lot of times. And I'm sorry, I'm just totally out of time, so if I didn't totally answer your question, please send me an email and I'll get you some more information.
1: That's right. Go to the website yeah, at yeah. coauto.com.
0: That's right. I want to tell everybody how much we
1: appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends and go to iTunes and Stitcher and all those great services and give us a written rating. Yeah, I really appreciate your written reviews. That kind of moves us up in
0: ratings so more folks can hear us and also makes our day. That's it. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.